Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Both number one seeds fall this weekend. Titans are out. Packers out. The Packers have to be the most disappointed when you look at their oh, path. Yes. Uh, and and what was at stake here with what could potentially be Aaron Rodgers' final season in Green Bay after being the odds-on favorite throughout the entire year and then once they got to the postseason, needing to go through what would be San Francisco and Jimmy G, and then either the Rams or the rematch with the Bucks, which is what everybody wanted to see, and honestly, what the Packers probably wanted, knowing that they outplayed them a year ago, but it came down to kicking a field goal or keeping your offense on the field. Like, all, all questions, they're, not, they're no longer able to, to sit and ponder because they're out. Same for the Titans. And guys, two things off of the loss, because I want to set up Mike Vrabel's discussion in the moratorium that he had today with uh, local media members here in Nashville. The, the idea of, number one, I think at best, at best, if we're being honest, behind the scenes, I would say they're uneasy about Tannehill in the playoffs now. Uneasy. You could say, okay, we got through 2019 in the run, which was phenomenal. It earned earned him, and rightfully so, it earned him a contract, a big contract extension with the Titans uh, whenever he came in in week seven, started in week seven, came in in week six, started in week seven, and went on that push all the way to the AFC Championship game. They were on the run thanks to Derrick Henry uh, winning the, the NFL uh, a rushing title that year and were winning because Tannehill, while his numbers were not great, he was making some big throws. You know, there was a couple big first downs and a low scoring affair at Foxborough. There was uh, the, the bomb out of the timeout to Khalif Raymond in Baltimore and a great throw and a catch to John o. Smith in the end zone that gave them a double digit lead in the first quarter. Um, that hasn't happened since. You know, he, the offense was not capable of keeping up with Kansas City in the AFC Championship game two years ago. Last year, he was awful against the Ravens, especially in the fourth quarter when they needed some rhythm to get back in it. He was incapable of providing it. And he was he was not ready for the moment. He was small in a big moment for the Titans this past weekend as the number one seed. I think at best, the description would be uneasy at the quarterback position. Regular season Tannehill's really good. Postseason Tannehill, awful. And there's no other way to describe it. Number two, I think they have to look in the mirror and think, is, has this version of what they have built hit their ceiling? They have to be asking that question. Paul, you were there with, with uh, Vrabel discussing Tannehill, discussing Todd Downing, discussing this offense that... Uh, that flushed away one of the greatest defensive performances we've ever seen in a postseason game. And they tied an NFL record with nine sacks in a postseason game. 
They did not allow a passing touchdown. They didn't allow a catch beyond the line of scrimmage to Jamar Chase until the final possession. He had five catches, four of which were behind or at the line of scrimmage. And they, in some really bad spots, held Cincy to field goals. And the offense turns it over three times, and they just hand away what was an outstanding opportunity yet again. Yeah. Um, look, they were down a field goal going into the fourth quarter against Baltimore last year at home. They were even going into the fourth quarter this year at home. They needed a Tannehill takeover in these games. Derrick Henry last year, <clears throat> Baltimore uh, put all their resources into stopping him. This year, Derrick Henry coming off the injury wasn't Derrick Henry. They should have gone more with Foreman probably. Um, Henry, uh, Tannehill in those two games, 8 of 12 for 71 yards with two picks and no touchdowns in the fourth quarter. 22.92 passer rating. That is not satisfactory for a playoff quarterback in big fourth quarters he may be game management material but if you're down or tied and you can't run you need to do better way better than that um so mike vrabel you know was asked about the two problems in this game the 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 quarterback and the coordinator um and and todd downing we talked earlier just not very creative here uh, no, no kind of flow. Uh, you know, they didn't get into the end zone on the on the the two point conversion play. They couldn't convert third and one, fourth and one. Uh, the first interception to Julio Jones, obviously a bad throw, but there was nothing drawing that safety away from coming to there's Julio Jones. No backside Jones. route. He- so you know, Tannehill makes a bad decision and he's late, but there's no backside route. It doesn't make any sense that play. A lot of things like that from Todd Downing. Regarding Todd da- Downing, Vrabel said he does a great job. He's a great coach, and I think he's a hard worker. There's always going to be calls you'd like to have back. There's plays you'd like to have back. But I love the relationship Todd has with the assistant coaches and the players, and we'll all continue to improve. That, to me, sounds like a pretty true That's a vote of confidence. Vote of confidence. I also have trouble picturing him firing a guy, though we were talking off air Mike Vrabel last year, before he promoted Todd Downing, which I thought was a predictable hire, he had lined up Todd Downing to be his tight ends coach, a guy with some offensive coordinator experience, not good, but experience, because he had already lost LaFleur and had Arthur Smith there. He knew there was a chance of losing Arthur Smith, and he had brought in Downing. But before he hired Downing, he tried to talk to Tim Kelly from Houston, Houston did not grant permission, and now Tim Kelly has been fired by Houston, and he is on the street available to be hired. If you, you know, I don't think he's going to fire Todd Downing, but there is somebody out there that he conceivably wanted over Todd Downing a year ago, who I think has proved himself to be a pretty good offensive coordinator with Deshaun Watson last year and with what they had this year with the terrible offense with the rookie Mills. So that's something to to think about out there in the Todd Downing world. They were extremely predictable. And I think there is a sense and an arrogance. And arrogance in this case can be good because they won 12 games. Can it be great? There is an arrogance that, yeah, you know what's coming. You're not going to stop it. Well, they do that a lot. They have that one formation, one wide receiver formation with Nick Westbrook-Akina. Everybody knows you're not throwing with that formation. You're running. Well, And And most of the time they run successfully out of it. So that's the arrogant part. uh, Yeah, and, and again, like... 
early in the season, third down to McNichols. If McNichols is on the field, it is a pass. Not always a pass to McNichols. They were throwing the football if McNichols is on the field, period. The stats backed it up, and we went through it. This past week, uh, and there is a, there's an account, and I will retweet it to give them credit, but I can't remember the account right now, that went through plays throughout the season to Chester Rogers, um, screen passes out of the backfield either to McNichols or to Hilliard, where in the same situation, there are these quick passes off the line of scrimmage based on sets that were very similar. And Mike Hilton saw the same the same type of throw early in the game on a nickel blitz and nearly got a hand on it. They ran the same type of formation right after a long run to Foreman. And Hilton not only got a hand on it, he made an outstanding play. In and of itself, it's an outstanding play. But the veteran knew what was coming. Yeah, and I think I think, I think t- 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 Tannehill telegraphed it also. I, I think. Well, the same on the pick, like you gotta have a quarterback. This is why it's not all on Todd Downing. On the first play of the game, which they're going to rehearse, right? They they know the p- first play of the game. You've he's staring down Julio Jones. Now Julio needs to fight back more for the football, yes, which I don't think not. he did. He didn't. But Tannehill telegraphs that pass <laughs> and the, the energy of that stadium, which was buzzing and electric, was sucked out. And you're looking around going, they, they really just lost the crowd on the first offensive snap. And Tannehill telegraphed it. Downing didn't have a backside route, and the safety, Tannehill admitted postgame, was not supposed to be there. But the safety didn't have to look when that he hard. Is, you're allowed to see him. Yeah, you're allowed to see him and not throw the football. And, and that's exactly what he did. The, the, in the final play, the final pick, Chester Rogers is on the far right side of the field. Um, and while I don't pretend to know the reads of this play, the defensive back's 10 yards off of him. Ferkser's in the middle. He well, could be he, in the field of Ferkser, vision. Yeah, and I'm going to get to Ferkser. But on the right side, it, they, since he is loaded to the left, as if they knew Tannehill wasn't looking right. They're loaded to the left, and Tannehill should have thrown it to Ferkser. I don't need to play quarterback to be able to tell you that Ferkser is open and Nick Westbrook-Akina is not. Um, and it, it, nonetheless, Ferkser's open. He doesn't throw the football, and I. It was like since he knew they were, he wasn't even going to pay attention to Rodgers on the other side. This is a quarterback problem paired with an offensive coordinator issue, and it, one of the two needs to be addressed in some way. Because even if you're going to blame injuries, and there were a lot of them on offense, Todd Downing did the same crap whenever he had backups playing that he showed this past week when he had a full, healthy roster ready to go. Here's and that's my, unacceptable. Here's my fundamental indictment of Downing, Chad. They scored 17 points on opening drives. We saw San Francisco come in here against the Titans, and Kyle Shanahan put on a clinic oh, I've got about something even more scripted damning. offense to start a game. If you cannot script really good stuff at the beginning of a game, Knowing what the defense is generally going to do and putting something together that gives a defense a hard time, I think you're a bad offensive coordinator. And Todd Downing produced 17 points. They, they scored three times on opening possessions. Guess how many interceptions were thrown on opening possessions? Three. Oh. Tannehill turned it over three times on opening well, possessions. Well, that's bad. That is a, that, that's a combination of two things. That is a lack of preparation from the offensive coordinator and the offensive staff An combined with 
a very predictable approach where you have a week or sometimes two weeks to get ready for someone. You don't change anything up. And on the flip side, the defensive coordinator knows more about what you're doing and you get three picks on the opening drive because they know your tendencies before you've even got into the game. They turned that, it over against Indy, against the Rams, and against Cincinnati. Here are their first possessions all season. And hey, by the way, this is one issue, if it's a problem, that you can change easily, unlike quarterback. I asked about this Ryan today. Tannehill. I asked about the scripting, and he said, scripting as is as important as execution. Right. Yeah, and it, it's about the execution of all this. They, they, they punt on their first three drives of the, the season. Um, against opponents, I'm saying first three games of each uh, of each possession, uh, they get a field goal against the Jets. They punt to Jacksonville, punt to Buffalo against Kansas City. They score a touchdown, and that's when everyone went crazy. Oh, they finally off to a hot start. Against Indy, they threw a pick. Against the Rams, they threw a pick. Uh, against New Orleans, they punt. Against Houston, they punt. New England punt. Jacksonville, they go score a touchdown. Pittsburgh and Miami open the game with punts. Houston, they punt. And against Cincinnati, first play, they throw a pick. Now, that's not even getting into first quarter, but that's just abysmal offensive play from a team that was setting records as a franchise on offense a year ago. For a team that went and got points, I I think uh, you can count on more than one hand on possessions to start drives last year. And there was nowhere close. There was a big gap between... Arthur Smith and Todd Downing. Significant. Significant gap. that They really dropped off. Injuries or not, they dropped off. People forget that, uh, that Arthur Smith had to maneuver through an incredible list of offensive linemen last, uh, two years ago. Last year, excuse me, last year. They were banged yeah, up on the offensive line throughout. They had third string left tackle. Third string left tackle for six games. And uh, they had a guy, what, quit? In the middle of the year, um, that was this year. They had Sambrilo, but Sambrilo got hurt. Yeah, the, the year prior, they not well. To, they yeah, got Sambrilo to Isaiah Wilson back. quit um, in yeah. 2020. Um, there, there's just so purposes. there's so many uh, things to point out uh, in, in the differences. To me, it was just the tendencies. And if I can pick up on it, literally anybody can pick up on it. If it's if, if McNichols is on the field, it's a pass. That was laughable to me. And, and, and look, they won 12 games, and they can laugh at me saying we won 12 games being predictable. Great. Cincinnati knew what was coming, and you couldn't score 20 points to win the game. Should have at least changed it up for Cincinnati. When we come back, I'll give you what Vrabel had to say about Tannehill. And I think our, our running this down, breaking this down, will be even more interesting than what he had to say about down. Let's get into that, plus Derrick Henry's return and the impact – on the day itself and the impact on the game. Two different reactions. This is Outkick 360. The atmosphere at Nissan Stadium was awesome. Pre-game, there was a buzz. Henry takes the field for warm-ups. You could feel the energy for the divisional round with the opportunity to get a win and host the city's first AFC championship game in Music City. Outkick 360 rolls on. Instead, the, the Bengals move on to the AFC Championship game. Play number one, interception. Um, I, I thought while the two-point conversion maybe sets a tone on the scoreboard, it sucked the energy out of the stadium 
after they knotted the game at six and they get stopped at the goal line trying to get two points. And during that media timeout, instead of that place going crazy because Burrow is about to come back on the field, it was there was a malaise over also, the stadium. I, I Chad, I know you like it going for two there. Um, you know, I'm a hindsight guy. But, um, you know, you get up 7-6, Bengals are behind, and certainly late in the game, you're playing that differently because you're sitting on a lead and you're trying to run and run out clock. But you also can't play the – I don't play that game because the whole game's played differently. Yeah, you don't run out the clock. Play, it's, it's, not, it's not just as simple as one it's point not. different – because Cincinnati's playing everything well, differently. Cincinnati's down calling timeouts. Everything's but yeah, you're, yeah, they're you're, using timeouts. It's all different. But uh, to me, if it's seven seven, if you kick the point, I understand going for two to get the lead. To get an eight six lead, to me, it's not as big a deal that you're getting it at the one. And I kick to go seven six because it, it's a lead. If you're looking just mathematics, risk reward, it doesn't make any sense. Because my problem with it would be. There's not a huge difference at that difference at that point of the game between one and two points in a lead. Right. So what's really the point? Just take your one point lead, a two point lead. You're still a field goal away from going behind in that moment. So what's the? It's not even two to three or three to four, right? In terms of the difference. So it was the mathematical tone. jump didn't make a big big difference. I thought it was a really nice move to try to flex your identity. That's what I thought, and maybe Mike Vrabel wasn't trying to do that. I don't know I if he explained it away. It. But I liked it for that reason because I'm thinking, hey, well, this is what got you here to this number one seed. You know, being tough, being the more physical team, being able to go get a yard when you need it. He said, so if you want to make that move and try to flex and show your identity, great. But yes, I agree with you guys. It doesn't, doesn't make a lot of sense mathematically. He said trying to score points when I asked him Saturday night when he was in a terrific mood. Look, I, I think that <laughs> the Tennessee Titans should be able to get a yard yeah. with something. And three times I don't know what your play call is, but, or if it's just simply hat on hat, and then Derrick Henry's going to run someone over to get whatever he needs. I don't care. Execution-wise, they should be able to get a yard in that scenario. You got something there? We'll go to Tannehill. Yeah, well, I want to get to Tannehill in just a moment, but think about the fortune that we saw from, from Cincy in this game. Because since he's good up front, yeah, well, they're good up front. Readers they, really good, but they they were also down one of their starters. They were down one of their backups, right? Um, you had it just the they had two sacks where one would have kept them out of field goal range, and Burrow took the hit, but it was actually that was the play where they either called a timeout or there was a delay of game. Yep. Something something went awry that that ended. The it, it allowed them to stay in field goal range. There was on the play on the final pick of the game. Dak Taylor's trying to call timeout. It wasn't granted. Is that right? Uh, you can see him on the CBS broadcast trying to run and call timeout, and it wasn't granted. You have, uh, of course, um, the 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 interception uh, multiple times, but just the the fortune of the Titans not running the football after getting the big run from Deontay Foreman. Um, and then just the the I mean they had their quarterback sacked nine times, and the the Titans allowed the fourth fewest rushing yards that the defense had allowed all season. Um, season high nine sacks, not just against in, in the playoffs, but season high as well. And they forced a turnover that led to seven points 
and since he still leaves Nissan Stadium with a victory. And they, they, they didn't score passing the football. It's funny because all season the Titans have been this next man up, overcome adversity, find a way. And it was the Bengals who played next man up, overcame adversity, and find a way. The Titans got beaten by their own thing. And the Titans have perfected that. It, they should be able to do that in the playoffs against a team. I wouldn't call them a lesser team because I think Cincinnati's pretty good. But when you're sacking their star quarterback nine times, that should have the kind of impact on a game that lets you take it well, over. And what, and what Chad's did. saying on the, the mentality of Rabel to want to go and get a yard, the fortune, in this case hindsight, the fortune of having the penalty that made Vrabel feel that way. You know, they had the penalty yeah, on right. special teams on the point after. Otherwise, it's not a consideration. Otherwise, it's a tie game. Yeah, 12 men on the field in that And in it that works moment. out in their favor. Here's what Vrabel... But here's also what the Titans played to uh, in this game that we know in losses for the most part. They turned the ball over. Yes, that was the game. I mean, that that was it. You know, we, we looked at every facet of this game and we talked about the possibility that Randy Bullock has a Randy Bullock with the Houston Texans day and that cost the Titans... But we, everyone knew going into this game, well, the other possibility, duh, is that Ryan Tannehill just throws it to the other team. And it seemed like he was over it, Chad. He had four solid games, not against the greatest competition, but he had, he had played better. So there was reason for optimism that he had gotten the turnover thing out of his system. It turns out, tightens up in the big game and plays poorly. Here's what... Let here, me sum up Ryan Tannehill also in, in his day and what this showed me. Because this was my feeling on the first play when he took all of the energy out of Nissan Stadium with that interception was that he would not recover. There was no way he was yeah. going to recover. I don't know a single person that's watched the Titans. I haven't heard from anyone who was very confident that, oh, he'll forget about that. He's Ryan Tannehill. He's going to have a great game from here on out after that opening pick. Everyone knew this could be trouble. After that, even when they held him to a field goal, didn't even convert it to seven points. Titans defense held. Titans defense was great. Everyone knew, oh boy, this could be bad. He did not talk today. Starting quarterback should talk on clean out day. Don't tell me he talked after the game. Jeffrey Simmons talked after the game. Kevin Byard talked after the game. A.J. Brown talked after the game. Guess where they were today? They were at the railing, wrapping up the season and talking. A.J. Brown, the only guy on offense at the railing today of seven guys. Kudos to all of those guys. Ryan Tannehill's got to step out there, take another round of lumps to kind of, you know, at least for the city, just kind of do it, you know? And then you, you, you get some more closure to it. And people don't say, oh, look at Tannehill, just kind of slinking out of town, or slinking home, right? Whether it's fair or not, that's the perception. He's got to be out there. And so he leaves his coach to speak for him. Here's what Mike Vrabel had to say. And, and there's a, there are holes in this, and okay. we're, we're going to discuss them. He has elite toughness. We have to be great around him. But he has shown signs of accuracy, of decision-making, the ability to extend plays and to scramble and leadership. Those are all things that you look for in a quarterback, and Ryan has shown us that. Unfortunately, we turned the ball over on Saturday. He has elite toughness. I don't disagree. We have to be great around him. Do you say that? I'm, look, I'm not saying he's Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, any of those guys. But even if you have an above-average quarterback, do you say we have to be great around him? We have well, to be great I, around I think he, him? I think he's deflecting. Again, this is all about what 
Vrabel said after the game, which is, as long as I'm here, we're never going to talk about one person. He has being shown the problem or the reason that we win or lose. He has shown. So this signs? is him deflecting the blame on Tannehill, saying that we need to be better around him or great around. He him. has shown signs of accuracy, of decision making, the ability to extend plays and scramble and leadership. He's shown signs. I mean, I, I hell, I'm anti Ryan Tannehill today, and I think he's shown more than signs of all of those things. That's a soft word, signs. Well, I don't want to overparse. Yeah, I mean, the no, guy's I, talking at a press conference, but that is a much softer endorsement than I, there was of Downing. I can use that description of Rabel and not read between the lines if it's regular season Tannehill. Like, the regular season version is a very good version. I well, mean, he's shown more than signs of it. He's shown it. Well, exactly. And uh, he's, shown, he's a very good quarterback. He's a really solid quarterback for this offense in the regular season. And if you just go through the go through the perception of his last three playoff losses, three straight now. The first one here was on the road at Kansas City, where you just felt like the team was outmatched and they had re, exhausted, the, exhausted. Yeah, he got a pass every game for on the road one, because no one expected them to win. Every game on the road, you know, they've made this uh, crazy run, and you're on fire going into the next year. 2020 happens, and they have an outstanding year, and it's just kind of I won't say glossed over, but. Some people thought and, and tried to paint this picture of success because they won the division for the first time in years. When I'm looking at it going, and we came in here on our first show, I think March 15th, and said, how can this be a success when you look back on what could have happened? It's a waste. And the wasted opportunity that you had, given the offensive numbers that you put up. And the blame didn't go on Tannehill, despite his poor performance against Baltimore. The blame went to the defense and how horrible, how historically horrid, there they were in 2020 in some big critical plays. And so you you look at it going, Tannehill can be better, but we've seen it in the regular season. They just won the AFC South. They had a bad game. Yeah. They, they had a really bad game straight, against a team that that was out for vengeance from the, the time, year before all of that. At, at the at the time it was the second straight playoff appearance, you know, and you're riding high going, you've got a two thousand yard rusher. Tannehill's coming back, and he had just put up some great numbers, throwing the football, spinning it to Jonu Smith and Corey Davis and A.J. Brown. The perception was he'll be okay. Now, let's fast forward to 12 wins, all the injuries, one more playoff game, one more loss. Not much different than what we saw across the river here in Nashville against the Ravens a year ago in the postseason, where in crunch time, the guy was small. And... That's exactly what happened against the Bengals' defense, too. That's a trend And the perception of Tannehill has flipped. It's now about him and not about what's around him. But the answer there makes it more about what's around him, which is just not true. What's around him is a new offensive play caller who did not live up to the expectation that is Arthur Smith. And yes, Vrabel, he's, we all know he's the head coach of the, of the Atlanta Falcons. You didn't replace him with a guy that was on par with him. What's around him is A.J. Brown, who caught a franchise record 142 yards worth of, uh, of passes, which, quite frankly, could have gone more to him. Um, but, I mean, that's pretty good around him. That looked pretty good. You know, if he doesn't throw the picks. Well, again. And, it all starts with if and, he doesn't throw the picks. And the, 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 the optimist will say, well, look at the, look at the injuries and the one guy who, who – was there throughout all of it and managed the offense with Tannehill. That's all fair. Like he did an outstanding storyline to the get where they season. were is outstanding and remarkable. The storyline with Tannehill when he got his dudes back 
was flat. Look, and A.J. Brown used the one word. All that 12-5 and five stuff by what they did on Saturday night was made pointless. Absolutely. That's a strong word, and it's dead on. And you are, this is a sport where, unfortunately in these moments, and fortunate for other teams that have big moments in the playoffs, you are defined by this one game. This is the moment in the game that fans will remember. Regular season, great. Overcoming adversity, number one seed, winning the division, really good. Doesn't matter when you lose your first playoff game. This is just reality. In a sport like football where there's not a ton of games, when you get to postseason and you fall flat on your face, this is what is remembered. What is remembered by everyone around the 2008 season? The end against Baltimore. What is remembered about the end of the 2000 season or the 2000 season? Ray Lewis taking the ball from Eddie George, losing at home. Titans are 0-3 as a number one seed. They've averaged 12 points in those games, they had in those to, three losses. They had to win this game. That is putrid. They had to win this game. But I will say, like, the tone of the post-game conversation, if they had lost, I'm not going to say the way Buffalo had lost, but if, if this had been a great game and they lose on a 52-yard field goal at 53-yard field goal at the end of a great game, where Tannehill had risen to the occasion and everything. You know, it was a significantly different kind of loss than last year, all of that. I think we could have said, you know, that was a valiant effort kind of thing. It still would have been a huge disappointment and all of that. But they played crappy. Tannehill, the number one guy that needs to play well, played really poorly. They left us with a lot of questions. Yes. They didn't close the book in any neat fashion. So this is going on our YouTube chat right now. You can watch us on YouTube. You can you can watch us on Twitter also. Listen to us wherever you're listening right now, by the way. Um, but uh, someone is saying, Cincinnati just proved you don't need offensive linemen to be successful. And they're being dead serious. They're saying you need to just go after skilled talent. Skilled players win. The Titans had nine sacks. Cincinnati would win going away if it wasn't for an elite defensive effort. This is what I would be more pissed off about if I'm a Titans fan than anything else. All offseason, we said repeatedly, if you could just be middle of the pack on defense, this team should win a Super Bowl. Not could, should yeah, win a Super Bowl. contenders, right. With the additions that were made with everyone coming back. And instead, you didn't just get a middle-of-the-road defense, you got elite defense especially when it mattered most in the playoffs. Not, that's a record-setting performance. Nine sacks. Wasted. And these defenders are wasted, beating themselves up, Chad, for not getting turnover. Wasted by this quarterback mixed with a terrible game plan. Yeah, and by the don't offensive use Cincinnati as a model. Cincinnati won despite not having an offensive well, line, not this, because of not having I, an I, offensive line. The same person in the YouTube chat is saying that um, – the Titans shouldn't draft offensive linemen ever again. Well, I agree with that. Because you should just sign grown men. You know, you don't need to develop boys in offense. Like, go sign men. And I'm saying, well, you do know these men you were talking about were drafted at one point. As boys. Some of them, by the way, were drafted by the franchise they still play for eight, nine years later. It's amazing how that works out, where you can draft a good offensive line talent, play them early, develop them, and keep them, as opposed to, I don't know, 
drafting Isaiah Wilson and Dylan Radins in back-to-back years. I asked Vrabel. That's the, that's the low end. That's, that's why Titans fans don't want to draft any more offensive linemen is because this GM is not good at drafting offensive linemen. I asked Vrabel if they're going to revamp and reconsider how they bring in offensive linemen given the lack of contribution they've got from draftees and free agents. And he, of course, said, we're always reconsidering and reexamining how we bring in all players. What did you make of of Henry's return? I thought pretty damn uneventful. I thought right he certainly the, was better going left than going I, right. Yeah. I, I thought, and I this I did not think I'd be saying this today. And close your eyes or close your ears, Titans fans. Deontay Foreman should have had more carries. Yep. He was the better running back, and it was clear early on. And that what, that what, run from Deontay Foreman, Derrick Henry wasn't pulling that off on that day. Yeah. I'm sorry. I love the Derrick Henry fought to get back, and if he's in the lineup, you give him the ball first. But when you see that Deontay Foreman is at a different gear than your returning from injury running back, Deontay Foreman should have had more carries Foreman than Derrick Henry. Foreman should have taken and a I'm long run to And I'm shocked, by that. the way, that I'm saying that because I love Derrick Henry and I'm a full believer that if he's there, he's your guy. He wasn't going to be the guy on this day. Have, and Deontay it. Foreman was better. Didn't have it. Well, there's a, a bigger question about Henry because it goes back to even before he got hurt about production and, and versus what they're doing with him. Um, it didn't matter if Henry or Foreman was in the game after his big run because Todd Downing wanted to throw a screen pass. You stick with the run. The yeah. run was working on that drive. Henry running the football was effective on that drive. I don't have a problem with calling a pass there. It just can't be that pass. No, the, the, I, I have a problem calling a pass with Tannehill, who was one for eight on third down. and uh, Well, not one for eight, because one of their failures was a third and one run. Well, Tannehill was running the football there. Um, yeah, you stick with what, what got you there, which is the run game. That was what was working against that Cincinnati defense. They ran for 100 yards in the second half. They had nine sacks, and they got points off turnovers in the second half, seven. They were able to... Let's see. Let's go through the other laundry list of things. Um, they they held Jamar Chase in check for the most part until right at the end. The yeah. crucial pass, by the way, which right at the which end. Cincinnati said they knew exactly how the Titans would play that Burrow said. Well, they, and they knew that play was was bonus for the 16 or 19 yards they needed. I mean, think about what the, the it was Titans, effortless for them to set up that field goal. What the Titans accomplished and what they didn't do, which was win. They limited the opposition run game to the fourth. I mean, they're really good and against the run. Uh, ran the ball well. They hit big pass plays. This was the second, this was either the best or the second best air yard per completion that Tannehill had all year. I mean, the signs were there that they, the offense was healthy. They hit big pass plays. You're looking for explosive plays. They hit big pass plays to A.J. Brown, to Julio. The, so difference, even the that, difference was the Bengals had six guys who stepped up and made key catches in that game. The Titans had two receivers. They, that, didn't throw, they didn't spread it around to anyone else. And that should have been better. I don't have a problem with them not spreading it around. I, I think they could have kept feeding A.J., Two of the passes to A.J., by the way, maybe one by design, are stop and jump to get it things instead of carrying him. I think Tannehill unnecessarily took fault for the overthrow where A.J. kind of stopped and cut in and then realized, oh, I'm supposed to keep running. To me, that was an A.J. Brown mistake, not a Ryan Tannehill mistake. You're right. The list of things that they did that would position you for a win where they well, lose a game is ridiculous, well, the, and it's Paul, just like the Ravens' losses in the playoffs. Here's, here's my issue with only giving it to two guys. I understand getting your best player the football in his hands. 
the difference between the Titans offense and the offenses that won this weekend, and I'm going to throw, yeah, we'll, we'll, I'll just stick to the offenses that won this weekend. They have multiple guys that they scheme to develop against the, the opposing defense. Cincinnati had five guys that stepped up in major moments in the receiving game. Uh, Kansas City had six guys with big-time catches, including Pringle, right? I mean, yeah, they, they have the, Ram, the Rams had six guys step up and make plays. They utilized their tight end in the middle of the field. The Titans had two guys. And, and by the way, one of those two isn't on the field for a critical third and five where you need uh, to move the sticks late in the ridiculous. game. I don't know what's up with Julio that. Julio was on I'm the bench. I'm just saying, when he threw to Nick Westbrook, Akina, look what happened. They have an offensive coordinator problem, whether they want to admit it or not. They can blame the injuries and run it back. The difference between Todd Downing and Shane Bowen and why I'm not going to buy the same excuse, we've seen Todd Downing call plays before with the Oakland Raiders. There's a reason why he was out. And we saw predictable Todd Downing calling plays this year for the Tennessee Titans. Well, to, to be accurate, a reason why they weren't good. I think they have the two one. issues on offense right now. It's play caller and quarterback. Yeah. One of those problems are easy. It's very easy to fix. The number one reason he was out is because Jack Del Rio was fired, right? So the whole administration was out in Oakland. Well, I mean, Not he, that he was getting good. He immediately went to become a tight ends coach after that. Yeah. I mean... If he was better, he'd probably get a offensive coordinator look quicker. You would My think. Point being, we've seen it before. Yeah, he's not very good. He's not been it's, good. It's not in his like two he's finally getting the playbook, and it's not a co-offensive coordinator deal. Um, they, I, I think there was a play calling mentality and arrogance to it, where they're just going to drive forward with the run game. Which, and I that's mean, not strictly more, on him. That's on Vrabel too. But I, I'm not against the mentality because the mentality of who they are—that's their identity. It works. But when it's not working to the level that you need it to, when then your quarterback what? has to step up and make some plays, you gotta be you gotta throw some wrinkles into it, especially when you've got an extra week to build up to the postseason yeah, after everyone's gearing B. for you. It's a plan B thing. And we, what did we talk about with Arthur Smith? He always had great plan Bs. Yeah, and we didn't see a plan B. It, it's not even just a plan B, it's elevation. At some point you've got to be able to do something. This is coach, player, anyone in a tough spot in the playoffs where it matters most, especially when you're the better team. And make no mistake about it, Titans going into this game, they're better they're than Cincinnati. They should win the sure. game. That's why they're at home. You have to be able to elevate. Two guys failed to elevate and, in fact, went down. Todd Downing, Ryan Tannehill. Defense elevated. Pass rush elevated. Jeffrey AJ, Simmons elevated. AJ Brown elevated. AJ Brown elevated. Go to Julio Jones elevated the final two weeks yes, for did. all the criticism. And he was fine in this game, too quarterback didn't elevate and that's why they lost and, and that's not why, only didn't elevate he at best you're uneasy the next time you go into a postseason week with him because this is now a trend of Titan, what we've seen titans fans are over it it's coming past up, uneasy coming up more thoughts on the nfl weekend outkick 360 rolls on going back to the first possession for the Tennessee Titans this season and just how terrible they are in the first quarter. So Saturday, they gained 37 total yards in the first quarter. Didn't score. For the season, they averaged 65 yards in the first quarter for the season. They scored 61 total points for the year in the first quarter. So what happened Saturday is not like this new development, some anomaly that you're like, oh, you know, 
they'll they'll correct it. You can't go back to that same line of thinking after what has happened last year in the playoffs. Uh, what what happened two years ago that ended in at Arrowhead and what happened this year with Tannehill throw, uh, throwing three picks. The frustrating part of this for me is Downing had two weeks to prepare for this game. That Tannehill going into it had been turnover free for a handful of weeks. They had been beyond like this four. this issue of turning the football over and beyond just turning it over offensively we're really getting nothing going early Brett Kern punted 62 times this year 21 of those 62 punts came in the first quarter and I just laid out the vast majority of those 21 are on opening possessions uh, for the offense I mean they are really bad as a group to start games now 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 I want to go back to uh sitting up Henry and the trend that he's been on he he's not he wasn't the same player Saturday and you could point to well he's coming off injury and it was similar to him coming off the offseason where he didn't get much contact and much work in the in the preseason or the offseason against Arizona where they shut him down it's very similar I think he had three more carries in this game compared to what he did against the Cardinals but look at the three the three games we've seen as the final snapshot of his season the two games including the game where he got hurt, uh, which maybe isn't fair to him, but they kept giving him the football. And then this past week. So he has 77 carries for just 216 yards in his last three games played as a Tennessee Titan. Um, against Kansas City, he averaged three yards per carry. Against the Colts, he averaged 2.4. And this past week, he averaged 3.1. That's not the version of Henry that is the king. No. Um, and he was slowing down as they blew out Kansas City. I'm looking at the number of carries, and they're running clock, and they're playing their style. And by the way, they won both of those games that I'll reference to. A lot of these stats, you can point to wins. And that's that's why I say when they look in the mirror, are they seeing a team that just doesn't cut it in the postseason? Are they seeing a team that won so many games that reflection-wise, they believe they can go in a Super Bowl with this group? I would say they need to add two things on offense here. Uh, and this is separate of the offensive line getting fixed. Quesenberry needs to be replaced. I don't know if that's Raiden's. I don't know if that's an outsider. Should be. They may be making a, uh, a financial decision. I think more likely with Saffold, maybe Brewer taking over there than, than with Lawan. I think it made a huge mistake by just presuming everything be fine at tight end as they shifted to three wide from two tight. But these tight ends were not capable of shifting up and they missed Johnny Smith, who wasn't worth the money. But they need a, 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 a number one tight end and let these other guys fall in mm-hmm. below them. And Julio Jones is probably here because of the money, but you can't count on him. And you need a number two wide receiver. The draft is filled with wide receivers. Wouldn't it be great to have a second-round pick that you might use on one? Sure. Or a free agent um, they signed last offseason. Yeah, and they're not going to go. That wasn't a beta. They seem really out of – uh, out on smaller receivers, but they need to find a number two type of wide receiver. And they're going to say they have Marcus Johnson, but who's fast. Again, but the thing about Marcus prone. Johnson is that he can't stay healthy. They need a second wide receiver who's going to be on the field, who could do everything, and who could take the top off a defense. What did we learn as we wrap up about Joe Burrow? We've been discussing the other quarterback yeah, in this tough game. As he- tough as hell. I mean, I didn't have a doubt about that, but that's a hell of a display. Most guys are getting sacked nine times become gun shy. He wasn't. You know the big difference between Joe Burrow and Ryan Tannehill? When they got the ball back with 20-something seconds left, I was sure he would get them in position oh, to yeah. kick the field goal. 
and one pass in. There they easy. were. Too easy. It's not even that's too easy. I just knew he would make the play. I had, I had full faith that Joe and, Burrow wouldn't care about nine sacks over the course of the game, wouldn't care about having zero touchdown passes in the game. He would bounce back, and in the clutch moment, he would make the play. You know what the Titans thought about Ryan Tannehill's ability to do that? They milked the clock with a minute left in the ball, trying to get to overtime. I like the way Burrow talked before and That's after your the game. Before and after the game, he said, enough with the underdog talk. We're legit. Let's act it. Let's, and, they are. And people need to, to start treating us that way. And now it's on to Arrowhead. We'll be previewing the AFC Championship game, Cincy and Kansas City. And, of course, the NFC title game that's on the West Coast between divisional rivals, Rams and 49ers, will now kick 360. Don't block the box. Do lock your locks.